0: This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he (laughs) going to do? Oh, come on. I'm with you. Thank Uh, you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree (laughs) on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio, with thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender, here's Todd Bergaff. Thanks for joining us for the podcast once again today. Joining us on the telephone from the Twin Cities is the voice of the Golden Gophers, and the sports director at MNN, uh, Mike Grimm. And uh, Grimmer, well, it's fun to be the Gophers radio play-by-play guy right now. A seven-game win streak for the Gophers, and I want to talk Gopher basketball, of course. But earth-shaking news uh, today uh, came out yesterday that Nick Saban has uh, retired as the head coach at uh, Alabama. Just quickly, your thoughts on uh, that announcement. Did it surprise you at all?
1: yeah um i was a little surprised i figured he'd had a few years yet with him i thought maybe he would try to be one of those guys that would walk out you know i mean he's at a place where he could be in the national championship hunt every year um so you know it's not like a long shot to think that next year they wouldn't be back in the mix and if they win it you go out you know right out on the uh on the white horse so to speak but um that wasn't the case and um usually even with this you hear you know like hey the rumblings around it and and maybe that was the case i i haven't been paying that close of attention but i boy i didn't see anything that said you know this was kind of just all of a sudden it popped on my phone last night and i'm like oh geez. i yeah. wonder you know my first thought is hope his health is all right and all that stuff and yeah. and uh, so fingers crossed there but yeah so i yes a little surprised what a what a run he had i think we we kind of forget um you know what You know, a lot of people will try to discredit what he's done. Oh, it's Alabama. Everybody wins at Alabama, and really that's not been true. No, Um, Alabama went through a few guys, if you remember, before they got him. Uh, Mike Shula was there, and Terry uh, Terry Franchoni was there. I mean, they had some guys that didn't last very long. Mike Price was there before he ever coached. He got fired, right, Mm -hmm. if you remember that fiasco. Yeah, that's Um, right. So. Um, you know the Gophers beat Alabama was it the o four sun Bowl? I'm trying to think now I don't have it in front of me mm-hmm. uh, one of the uh, one of the actually it was uh, it was in Nashville. It wasn't the sun Bowl I believe it was the music city bowl they they beat alabama mm-hmm. um and and so um you know he took over and the rest is history and, and you know he goes down as probably the greatest college football coach ever yeah. um given you know and yes he's had the best teams usually and he's been favored most times he's ever taken the field for them but um you know you also have to tip your cap that he's been able to assemble rosters that way and um boy it's a machine there so now the, the attention shift of you know who's going to take his spot and um what does the future hold at alabama
0: yeah, no doubt it. It had been a while, uh, you know, until till he came over and took over in two thousand nine. It was kind of Gene Stallings after Bear Bryant, right? Yeah. And then Stallings won another one fairly short after, but uh, a little less uh, since then. So obviously, then, uh, because I didn't hear a press conference or anything, it was just kind of an announcement that Nick Saban's retired. I thought there'd be a lot more fanfare uh, than there was about it, but that's probably how he wanted it. A lot of speculation yeah. that if college football was like it was before the nil and the transfer portal that he would still be coaching uh but he doesn't want to yeah. deal with those two things
1: yeah i think that 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 might be and to me that's got to be part of it you know yeah. you and i talk, have talked about that multiple times yep. you know that what you know you get that paycheck every two weeks and that 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 makes you stick around because you know you're talking in his case i think it's 10 12 million dollars a year and and mm. In others' case, even local here, PJ's at six or six and a half million a year. So sure, we'll put up with a few headaches of, of the NIL, but it, um, it has created some stuff. And I don't think it's a coincidence we've seen in recent years, some of these high profile coaches just, just step away. Uh, I think, a Cheshevsky who, who looked to me like he still had many years left in him. Well, many maybe is a, a stretch, but had some years left in him. Um, Roy Williams stepped away. Jay Wright certainly had years left. Yep. Um, you know, two time winning national coach. And I think he is on record as saying that he just was done with, with the, with the bustle yep. and bustle of what, you know, the new, you know, thing came and, uh, the new rules and such. And I'll be interested to see some of, some of these other guys that have been around a while. How long does Tom Izzo you know, stick around. Um, you know, and others, and we shall see. But um, yeah. I'm, I, I, I gotta believe that part of it. You know, and look, if Saban's stepping away, he's the guy. You know, he has created a, an, an environment at his place where he's going to get a lot of, of advantages, but um, and have the best team. But I also think what people don't realize is he recruits at such a high level, um, and, and Minnesota has had has has done this. They remember they they had a defensive tackle from. Alabama, who was a high-end recruit and then just couldn't break the depth chart. And huh. so they're, they're constantly getting plucked, um, you know, as much as it is. I mean, I'm not going to certainly feel sorry for Alabama with all <laughs> the five stars that they bring in. Um, I would think it would get old, too, because, you know, for years you bring in a guy, okay, he's third string. Um, he's got two NFL guys in front of him. Um, he's going to learn and sit and learn the deal, and it's part of why they were good for years. They were always old, um, and if they were young, the young players were just ultra talented. And guys learned the ropes, and then you always know, had a had a had an experienced player who was who was trained in the right way within the system. And under that system, now that's not the case. Guys don't want to be backups. Um, you're a five star recruit. You're a defensive back. You go to Alabama, and now all of a sudden you're sitting behind three guys you leave and so i'm sure he was done trying to fiddle with all that
0: yeah no doubt and and now we see with pete carroll it sounds like he was kind of just moved aside in seattle to become an advisor it didn't seem to me as though he was necessarily ready to retire and then bill belichick later today they're going to announce that new england is moving on from him well those are your three senior coaches in college and and NFL uh, world, it is becoming more of a and more of a younger man's game. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then there's still some old guys hanging around. I'm still waiting to see as with these NFL openings, and now that Michigan has done, is done, as Jim Harbaugh decide to leave that hustle and bustle of the college game, yep. and um and and get back into the NFL. I'm 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 quite certain that he, if he chooses to, if he decides he wants to do it, he will have opportunity somewhere. Chargers maybe. Um, Seahawks maybe, who knows, you know, yeah. there's, there's there's some openings out there. I, I think the rumor for, for weeks now has been that Belichick will end up at Washington. Um, you know, Mike Vrabel would certainly, who was just fired at Nashville um, for Tennessee, I would think he'd be a candidate to take over for Belichick in New England. Um, and, and also we'll wait and see what happens at Alabama with that job. You yeah. know, there's going to be, you know, he has run so many great assistants through there. Who are now head coaches, you know, and obviously that's going to be a popular job. And then uh, the wild card there is Dabo Sweeney at Clemson, who's a two-time national champion. You mentioned Gene Stallings; he was a uh, uh, Dabo was a wide receiver on that '92 Alabama Gene Stallings team. Mm-hmm. And and so does and I think if you remember earlier this year. Uh, and Dabo had a, had a long rant on one of his coaches' shows, radio show, yep. about gratitude. It just it sounded like, boy, he's, you know, look, when you have set the bar so high and then you don't hit that bar and fans are mad, um, I could see why a coach would feel underappreciated even with all the, uh, the success he's had. So would that be a situation that he says I'm going to go back to my home state and back to my you know alma mater um, and does Alabama have interest in him? You know? yeah. Are they going to go after Lane Kiffin was the name I saw tweeted yesterday because remember he was an offensive coordinator there for a couple of years. Yep. So yep. who knows? They're, they're definitely going to have some candidates that, uh, that will have some good resumes. That's for Yeah, sure.
0: no doubt about it. I've heard Vrabel's name mentioned in association with Ohio State too. Now I know Ryan Day is still the coach there, but is he safe if Rabel would go to Ohio State? Would they get rid of Ryan Day to bring him in?
1: I think that Ryan Day is safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think so, but I, you know, nothing would surprise me anymore. I know Ryan Day, um, th- there was reported yesterday or the day before that he was going to shake up uh, some of his defensive staff, and then he ended up also shaking up some of the offensive staff. Brian Hartline, um, who two years ago – was the darling amongst offensive coordinators right in the mm-hmm. country uh, that you know they had put together a nice long run and he turned down some head coaching opportunities well he it sounds like he's going to get demoted mm-hmm. um and and will just go back to coaching receivers so you know even at a place like Ohio State sometimes that stuff can happen and you know they basically lost two games this year and that's not good enough Yep. That forced him into doing some stuff. So I, I think on the flip side, it might be that Ryan Day says, "This isn't, you know, man, I'm, I'm, this isn't my cup of tea." Mm-hmm. You know, you go, you, you have a year like this, and you're, you know, a play or two away from making the playoffs, and people want you fired. He might, instead of them firing him, he might just, maybe he'll, you know, he has some NFL background. He was the offensive coordinator. or at least the quarterback's coach at the Niners, I believe, and some other spots. So, you know, it could be that uh, some NFL team with these openings looks at him. So maybe that would open things up for Rabel, too. Who knows? Yeah. But um, the carousel is its always a silly, crazy time of year, and I'm guessing this year will be no different.
0: Yeah, it's already well underway. I mean, just the Belichick and Saban announcements in the same week is just massive news on the the coaching front. Uh, Yeah. How about those Gopher men's basketball players? Seven wins in a row, what, 12-3 and now, back-to-back over Michigan on the road and and Maryland, and to win those tight games against those Big Ten opponents, boy, that speaks well uh, for them figuring it out.
1: Yep, I agree. I I am a believer, uh, we've probably talked about this in the past, but I'm a firm believer that winning – look, it's one thing if you're Alabama in football or you know what you know um I you know North Carolina or Duke in basketball, or you just have better players right yeah, and then there's the rest of the world where you're just competing and you know Ben unfortunately hasn't necessarily been able to put together what I would call bona fide big Ten roster quite yet, you know, between the transfer portal and what he lost and different things and him trying to get his feet under him um the rosters have just been all right um and i wasn't sure about this roster quite frankly you know and you got a transfer point guard from howard and a transfer off guard from pepperdine not exactly something that you're just going to go do cartwheels down main street over <laughs> you know given given what they did last year uh not those two guys but the team the, the gophers last year um but um it you know they, they increased the talent level to the point where you okay now you got yourself a chance and so to follow up on on what you're talking about in terms of winning close games, um, this group um, has a chance to win now. I, you know, on the schedule now, you go in every week, every game, and you can say, yeah, if you play your game and a few shots go, you can win that game. That's that. It's not going to stun anybody. Like the Gophers were a favorite against Maryland, right? They were two point favorites, so okay. that wasn't like, like some big stunning development. That they sure. won that game. So that's a good. That's good though, because now, now you, but now now you at least can play, right? You can yeah. compete, and so then the question is, all right, well, how do you win? And you win by making shots. You win by making defensive plays, late winning plays. Patino always talked about that. The years that he had good teams, guys made winning plays on yeah. a more consistent level. And so back to my initial thought, I believe that's a learned trait. You become comfortable with it. The moment doesn't get too big. Uh, you don't shrivel. And um, so far, these guys are shown that uh, that the moment's not too big for them. Now we'll see as the rest of the you know thing goes. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but <laughs> you, you know you, the one. The Big Ten is down a little. Yeah. Um, Minnesota yeah. is certainly better than last year, so they should be able to stack some wins. And like I said, every time they're out on the floor, even including tomorrow night at in Indiana, um, they got a shot to win that game. Particularly mm-hmm. if they hit shots, and they're a pretty good shooting team. Mm-hmm. That said you got road games, you know, left at Illinois, at Michigan State, at Purdue, at Nebraska, where you've never won in that building, at Iowa, which you know if if they hit shots, that's a tough place to put. You look at that, and you're like, well, I mean, it's great, but what can you do? And where do the expectations go? So I hope people manage it a little bit in terms of where this team ends up. You know, I don't think they're going to end up a 15 and five Big Ten team. Um, and also, might add that last year, I think the Big Ten champion was like 14 and six, right? Yeah. Um, something like that. So you know. Uh, it's not going to, you know, they're not going to run the table, so let's calm down on that. I don't, <laughs> anybody, nobody said that, you know, but... Yeah. Um, but you know how you know Minnesota fans
0: are, that's why you're... And, and,
1: yeah. and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been around long enough now, I always kind of hedge my, my emotions as well, because, you, yep. you know, we just kind of sit around waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yep. But um, I think that, that what we can take some peace in here, and I think you and I talked about this last week, I, I said these, you know, they, they got one, they were one-on-one one in Big Ten playoffs, in december um and then these first four games were winnable and we would know more about the team um you know mid-january after that iowa game which is now coming up this coming monday mm-hmm. and through two games or two and oh and i you know if you had given me a shot of truth serum if you said what do you think through those four games if they're going to be important i would have said look i think they're going to be all right if they can go two and two. Mm-hmm. Well, now they're two and zero. Oh, so now I'm thinking uh, you might as well get greedy and yeah. try to you know if you can split the next two. Like like you're going to be a favorite, slight favorite, not a big favorite, but a slight favorite against Iowa Monday. Um, I, I haven't seen what the point spread is tomorrow, but you know Indiana certainly is going to be favored on their home floor, but not by ten or anything. Yeah. I mean that yeah. that is. And I watched them play, uh, Indiana play Rutgers on Tuesday, and Indiana was no good in that game. Terrible, terrible Mm -hmm. second half. Mm -hmm. Had a guy get kicked out. They couldn't hit a shot to save their life. And so... Um, you know, we'll, I, I still think these next two will tell us a little bit more of the story. Sure. But I think that the thing, you know, even if we're waiting for the other shoe or, hey, are they going to hit a losing streak? And certainly at some point they're going to lose a game. But I think the good news is at this point that we should all take solace and peace and have a good understanding is, is every time now they hit the court, um, they can win the game. Yeah. And that really, frankly, you know, there were some games last year where I'm on the team flight out, and I love those guys. They all worked hard. They put in great effort, coaches as well, where you're like, it's going to take a miracle to win this game you yeah. know, at at Michigan State or at Illinois or whatever. And that is not the case. Look, at Purdue is going to be a hard game. They're going to be a big underdog. At Illinois, probably the same. But by the same token, um, you know, you hit 12 threes on one of those teams, you're going to win that game. Yeah. You know, so – Um, and and that that just hasn't been the case. So I think that's the good news of this thing right now.
0: It's a really balanced scoring team, it seems. Do they have a guy who, if they have to have a basket at the end of the shot clock or game, uh, is their best creator that they trust the most to get that big basket?
1: Yeah, I I think the beauty, as weird as this sounds, and beauty is maybe not the right word because you don't want anyone to get injured, but this team was not balanced, remember, the first 10 games or whatever it was, first eight games. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all Dawson Garcia. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dawson had 36 at Ohio State in a loss. Um, he didn't have a particularly good game at San Francisco, and they basically were out of that game with eight minutes left. And you're like, boy, they're going to go as Dawson goes. Well, then Dawson got hurt. And yeah, they've not lost since. Remember, yeah. he got hurt in the Nebraska game. They were down seventeen at halftime, or whatever it was—sixteen, mm-hmm. can't remember now exactly. They were down twenty-one. I do know that in the first half in that game, they blitz him in the second half. They've not lost since. Mm. And part of when he went down, other people had to step up. Mike Mitchell um, has really been a key in that. Cam Christie has been a key in that. Um, they're getting nice select minutes from from others like Parker Fox and Isaiah Enan. Like they're not that those guys aren't stars, but they serve a purpose. And then, you know, Payne has been pretty consistent when he's gotten his chance to play. And so all those guys developed an identity. And then, um, to me, as we talked about last week, the big challenge in was was mixing Garcia back in. So Garcia, when he's hurt, is basically the only guy that's been scoring to five games later he comes back or four games later he comes back and Mike Mitchell's averaging 17 points a game while he's been gone. So Mike Mitchell now becomes a guy that can score. Guess what? He only scored, was it two, I think, against Maryland or four, but yet they still win the game because others are there. So to answer that question, I think they got several guys, like Cam Christie, um, who we were all surprised uh, late in the Missouri game when, when Ben Johnson called his number twice, not once but twice. Um, he turned it over and then missed a shot, and we're all like, why would Ben call his number Um And then Cam Christie, all he's done basically since is hit some big shots. So Mm -hmm. he could be a guy that could win a game for you. Um, You know, Garcia obviously is a guy that you'd call a play for. Mike Mitchell has hit big shots. Payne has a nice soft touch. And then the guy I haven't mentioned yet is the point guard, Elijah Hawkins, who is playing off the charts. He has 74 assists in the last seven games, so he's over 10 assists a game in the last seven. And um, he he was key late at Michigan. I mean, just, just dribbling uh running time and then driving and creating. He had a, the 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 play of the game to me in that game was that late lob pass to Ola Joseph that was the slam dunk and that slammed the door on it. So yeah. um he's been great as well and you know late in the game and late in shot clocks he's been good. Um so, you know, he could be a guy too that could win a game for you.
0: Yeah. Gophers tomorrow night at Indiana. Grimmer, have a great call tomorrow night.
1: All right. Yes sir. Thank you. We'll look forward to chatting next week.
0: Mike Grimm, voice of the Golden Gophers on the Todd and Friends Podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends Podcast at kwlm.com or on the air
1: here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.